So this seeking Allah Ta'ala's friendship, seeking the wilayat of Allah Ta'ala is not something that people came up with in Sufi theory. It's not something that is optional. It's not something that is preferable. Allah Ta'ala used hai Amr. And Al-Amru Lil-Wujub, the asal of Amr is that it comes for imperative. This is why Imam Al-Ghazali, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, in his Ihyat al-Muddin, is written that seeking wilaya, aspiring to wilaya, aspiring to the manifest of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is wajib on a person. Attaining it is not wajib, but trying for it is wajib, means necessary on a person. Because Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Kunu Rabbaniyeen. Each and every one of you should be Rabbani. Allah Akbar. Now this word, like we use for the great ulama and mashayik, sometimes Imam al-Rabbani, Mufti Rashid Amangangoya al-Rabbani, Sheikh Ahmed Hindi al-Rabbani, different ulama, even in the Arab world, used to use this title. Rabbani means that person who is closely attached to their Rabb, who everything about them pertains to their Rabb. Every decision they make is for the sake of their Rabb. Everything they say is for the sake of their Rabb. Everything they do is for the sake of their Rabb. Everything they think is for the sake of their Rabb. Everything they feel is for the sake of their Rabb. Now, doing amal on this ayah, kunu rabbaniyin, is going to require a person to go beyond the bare minimum of deen. And this is a big problem that people in the West have. And now increasingly westernized Muslims in the Muslim countries also have. And that is, is that their attitude towards deen is, I want to take the minimum amount of deen. I want to do what's required. I don't want to do sin. I don't want Allah Ta'ala to be upset with me. I want to do however little I need to make sure those things happen. What's the least effort I have to do to stay within the required? What's the least effort I have to do to make sure Allah Ta'ala is not upset with me? What's the least effort? Show me the easiest way to stay away from sin. Hmm? Everybody wants to give me the least effort. If possible, give me effortless deen. Why? <coughs> because they want to put all of their efforts into dunya. They put their prime into the dunya. They put their best working hours into the dunya. They want to put their passions into the dunya. They want to put their planning, strategy, tactics, daydreaming, dreaming for the dunya. And they want to take a minimum attitude towards their deen. If a person adopts this approach, we can never do amal on kunu rabbaniyam. It's just not possible. Impossible. Impossible. Then sometimes people will try to gift wrap this and say, no, we need to be balanced. Balance. Balance, the word English, the, in English language, the word balance refers to two things that are comparable or equivalent to one another, how you can keep them in balance. 
So deen and dunya, you cannot even use the word balance for this. Because deen and dunya are not even close to one another. They're not even comparable to one another. Being equivalent, it's far from it that they can be equivalent. Let me give you another word for deen. That is called akhirah. Now if I told you, is there any balance between akhirah and dunya? It's a completely one-sided equation. <laughs> it's a one-sided affair. <laughs> the akhirah is eternity. And the dunya is not even a fraction of a second. The akhirah is everything. Compared to it, when you bring dunya into the picture, it's not balance. When you bring dunya into the picture, it's nothing. It's nothing. That's why on Friday night when we explain to the men in the masjid of Qutul Islam, this is what we explain. That the dunya and every single thing that it contains and all of its glamour and glitter and all of its wonders and glories, all of it together is nothing compared to akhirah, let alone whatever dunya we may as one person be able to achieve in our own individual life. No question of balance. Sometimes we explain it to people using math. And akhirah means infinity. And let's say you have the entire dunya, that's one. One over infinity equals zero. The entire world of mathematics. When you compare one to infinity, that one is so inconsequential, so irrelevant, just treat it like a zero. <laughs> That's what our deen is treating us. Don't have any worth of the dunya. You have the dunya, but you, when you have it, you view it as worthless. Yes. And there are things like that in your life. Do you have a trash can in your kitchen? You have it, right? You can have it. And you use it. And you use its functionality. You use it for waste disposal. But does it have any value in your heart? Zero. It has zero value in your heart. Every single thing in your life should be like the dunya Or like the trash can Your car should be like that But mashallah The young men in England, they love their car <laughs> They get down on their knees And they scrub the tires of their car Yes <laughs> They can't get down on their knees To pray some nafal rakat for Allah SWT But they can get down on their knees On a Saturday and a Sunday And scrub their car <laughs> They can't scrub their heart <laughs> But they can scrub their car they can't wax and polish their heart. And they can wax and polish the body of the car. They can never accept a single scratch could come on their car. But they scratch and stain their heart. <laughs> what did we give value and worth to? There's no balance in this sense. Another word I'll give you for deen. One was akhirah. Another word is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> because deen is Allah subhanahu wa deen. Mukhlisina lahud deen. We are mukhlis in deen for him, lahu. So now look at that equation. Can there be any balance between Allah Ta'ala and dunya? Can we talk like that? That I want to live a life in which I balance Allah Ta'ala and dunya. <laughs> are these two things even comparable to one another? If you could put them in the same line in some equation and balance them? There's no question whatsoever. Dunya is just something we do. All of dunya, even if you have the best job in the world. You should be no more attached to it than when every Sunday or Friday you have to take the trash and put it outside on the lawn for the truck to come. You're not attached to that task. You do it. You function in the world. You participate in the world. You partake of the world. You have the world. You earn the world. But you're not attached to it at all. No attachment to it whatsoever. That is what Allah subhanahu wa wants. Why? Because it's only when you're detached from the world that you can become attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's the only way you can do amal and kunur rabbanin. And if you're detached, if you're attached to the world, you will be detached from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
That's why some of our Mashaikh used to say in Urdu, this world and the next life, there are two sisters. You cannot join two sisters in one nikah. Yes, either you pledge your life to the akhirah, or means you have pledged your life to the dunya. But look, Allah Akbar, the young man whom Allah Subhanahu has given so much, has given him a job, has given him earning. And he does it Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. Still, every evening he thinks about more. Every weekend he thinks about having more. He surfs ideas of having more. He talks business ideas with his friends. He wants more and more and more and more. And when it comes to deen, he says, no more. <laughs> no more. And if he finds there's one sheikh who can get, he can get by with less, he goes for less. <laughs> is there any way I could do less and still get Jannah? I want that option. But as far as dunya, is there any way I can get more and still live on this dunya? I want that option. When it comes to dunya more, and when it comes to deen less. So far from even being balanced was a myth, this is imbalance. This is injustice. It's unacceptable. It's not the life to bring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave my heart and passion and yearning for the dunya. And for you, I just did a little bit here and there, whatever I could manage, whatever I felt like. So, it should be the other way around. That a person should do minimum in dunya. Everybody's minimum will be different. Minimum doesn't mean that you should drop everything you're doing and just, you know, become a sweeper in the streets and live bare subsistence level. That's not what it means. But you should minimize. Start minimizing dunya, then you will be able to start maximizing your thing. And if you keep trying to maximize your dunya, you look at your own life, you don't need me to tell you, look in your path, you will see, you kept minimizing the. Sometimes you got a surge, right? You attended some gathering, you went to some travel, you all of a sudden started feeling like reading Quran every day. And then one week you decided not to minimize it. You went right back to your minimization. All of a sudden you made near to study ilm of deen, to study hadith. Two weeks later you went back to your minimization. Every time you turn to maximizing your dunya, you will start minimizing your deen. And you won't be able to progress. Won't be able to progress. Still, some people say that no. Deen or dunya, kaise saath lekar Still, you have to tell us how to take these two things together. Okay, that's very simple then. It's not a question of balance. It's a question of priority. It's a question of priority. If you have your priorities right, you will get both. And if you have your priorities wrong, you could end up losing both. <laughs> and the priority is very simple. You have to prefer deen over dunya every single time. Every single time. Sometimes in life you will be faced with a choice that there's something halal in dunya and something that is haram. And that, there's no choice, there's no priority. You must do what's halal and you can never do what's haram. But sometimes you will be faced with another choice that there are two things that are halal. They're both halal in terms of sharia. But this one is better for your dunya and less better for your deen. And this one is better for your deen and less better for your dunya. That's the real choice. This is the choice that makes a man. This is the choice that can make him bin Rijalullah or makes him bin Rijalul dunya. Which one does he choose? Now, it's not a question of halal and haram. It's not a question of fatwa. Mufti Sahib will say you can do both. But which one do you choose? That's what Allah Ta'ala is going to say. This is that choice where you can start attracting the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
attracting the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, attracting the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our heart, if we pick that choice in which we prefer deen over it. And I guarantee you, sitting in the masjid, the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in a state of wudu, in a state of itikaf, I guarantee you, you will never ever regret this choice, never. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will value the choice that you make. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bestow his barakat, his fiyusat, his blessings and his grace on you when you make this choice. And if you make this choice, you choose the one in which you prefer the dunya over there, you're on your own. Maybe you may get lucky, maybe you won't. Maybe it will work out, maybe it won't. Maybe you'll get what you were looking for, maybe it won't. You're on your own. You're on your own. But you prefer deen over Allah now you think, what would a mu'min, if a person has iman, which you could only be one choice, how could you ever think that, no, I'd rather go it alone my own way? How could anyone ever think like that? This is our mind. Why? Because we're detached from Allah SWT. Become distant from Allah SWT. Another thing is people talk about another sense of balance and priorities. Which I have multiple roles and responsibilities in life. Just I've got to work, I've got family, I've got masjid, I've got deen, I've got khidmat of deen. What am I supposed to do? Don't explain that to you also. Number one priority. There's category one, which is highest priority, which will always supersede anything in the lower categories I mentioned. What is in category one? The first thing that's in category one is the faraiz and the wajibat and the sunan li mu'akkada. It's not just salah. Faraid means those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made absolutely obligatory. And you know them in clear cut definitive sources. Wajib is those things that Allah ta'ala has made absolutely obligatory. Absolutely obligatory. But you maybe have understood them to slightly less clear sources. That's the difference between fard and wajib. Right? Let me, for example, explain to you that if you have to follow the federal law, or I don't know how you call it in this country, but British law that's required then if there's a London local law that's also required they're both required <laughs> the UK law will be fard and the London law will be wajib that's the difference between fard and wajib it means it makes no difference to you they're equally required in terms of amal in terms of amal third is sunnah and those parts of the sunnah those parts of the sunnah that if you don't do them it equals sin there's some parts of sunnah that if you leave it, it doesn't equal sin. For example, imama. If you don't wear imama, you won't get sin. Right? So it's not category one. But there's some types of sunnah that if you don't do it, you will get sin. For example, if you don't have the sunnah sabr, it's a sin. We think that having sabr is okay, it's a choice. If we have it, it would be wonderful. If you don't have it, it's okay. It's not okay. If you don't have it, if there's an opportunity to do sabr, and Allah Ta'ala's wish and the demand of deen from you at that moment is that you do sabr. And you don't do sabr, it's a sin. It's a sin. It's going against the wish and pleasure of Allah Subhanahu Wa So this is category one. These things have the highest priority. And they will supersede every other single thing in your life. There's no way you can miss prayer because of the job, because of a delivery, because of a pickup, because you're shopping. You never miss it. Impossible. It has the highest priority in your life. Category number two. Category number two for a man 
is fulfilling your hukukul ibad rights that your maybe spouse has over you that your children have over you if your parents are dependent on you your parents have over you you want to put it in English hukukul ibad which ibad the rights of your dependents your shari dependents those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that it's their right to depend on you those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said is that you have to provide for them that section of ibad not talking all of ibad the rest are going to come later those of your dependents to fulfill the rights of your dependents is your second priority that may mean you have to work that may mean you have to work two jobs it may mean for somebody they have to work three jobs right but it's still after category one but it's category number two it may mean you have to visit your parents more if they need it more it may mean many things it depends that's a person case by case basis but the rights of your dependents, those whom Allah Ta'ala has made. Now if somebody else tries to view himself as your dependent, but as far as deen, he's not necessarily dependent, he'll come in a later category. Category number two, those people whom Allah Ta'ala has made dependent on you to fulfill their rights. At what level? Now watch this, category number two, to fulfill their rights with ihsan. Yes, to fulfill their rights in the most noble, excellent way that you are able. Not bare minimum even here. Allah Ta'ala wants that those people of creation whom Allah Ta'ala wants you to interact with, with them you cannot have minimalist approach. That I'll do the most minimum khidmat of my parents, I'll spend the most minimum time with my wife. No. With ihsan. The best possible, most noble, most wonderful, best character, highest adam in akhlaq way. That's category number two. Then category number three. Category number three is all the extras in deen. That's your third parish. All extras in deen. Can mean acquiring ilm of deen. Can be doing more zikr of Allah Subhanahu more ibadat of Allah Subhanahu Can be doing any khidmat of deen. Right? Whether that khidmat means teaching ilm, khidmat can mean teaching zikr, khidmat can mean doing tabliq, inviting Muslims back to the deen. Khidmat can mean dawah, inviting non-Muslims towards the deen. Khidmat can mean relief in humanitarian work. There are many branches of khidmat of deen. No one branch is superior to the other. Right? Hamare ek ustaz farmate te ke hum deen ki khidmat ke shobe ke tamam ke tamam fazilat ke kaalai kisi ek ke afzaliyat ke kaalai. We believe in the fazilah, the virtues and merits of all of the work of deen. We don't believe in the afzaliyah. We don't believe that any one branch is superior to the other. And we have to present it to people as if this is the only way or the best way or the most beneficial way to Ummah. The Ummah needs everything. <laughs> I mean, it's like saying the eye doctor is the best doctor in the hospital. So we should close down the other departments. Or the cardiologist is the best doctor in the hospital. So we should close down. You won't have a hospital then. You just have a heart clinic. <laughs> you won't have an Ummah. You won't have a hospital. You just have a heart clinic. If you're just the people of the south, you just have a heart clinic. If you're just the muftis, you just have dermatologists. <laughs> Right? So category three is all extras of deen. Yes, I'm telling you that you can do the extras only when you've done category two with Esan. But which Esan? What Allah Ta'ala describes as Esan. What does it mean? As far as Allah Ta'ala is concerned, you can do this much and you fulfilled your parents' rights beautifully. But some of your parents may have a certain mizaj and they want you to do this much. That's their mizaj. That's not their haq. That's their temperament. That's not their haq. 
to fulfill their haq with ihsan, that takes precedence over extra zindin. To fulfill their extra desires from you, that doesn't take precedence over extra zindin. It's a very, barik it's a very fine line. It's a case by case thing. And if you're unsure, that's why you have to do mashabara with someone. You have to consult someone. Like, I'm not really sure in my situation. This is my family situation. This is my opportunity for khidmat al deen. How much, what, how much of it is in the range of the haq that the family has over me? And how much of it is beyond that and I could give that extra to thee? But you have to get that right. It's your responsibility. You can't guess. You can't play guesswork. This is deen. This is your life. This is the manu from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, when you play guesswork, you will inevitably make a mistake. You either do too much here or too much here. And you won't get the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You may outwardly get success. You may get somebody to listen to you. You may do da'wat on someone. Or the other way around, you may actually get your mom happy with you. You may get outward success. But you won't be doing what Allah Ta'ala wants. Allah Ta'ala wants you to follow hidayah. Hidayah. And guidance is not about guesswork. Guidance is not... Guidance comes from ilm or the mushawara, mashra, consultation with the people of ilm and zikr. You have to do it. You have to do it. You won't even make a small business. You don't even buy a car without consulting 20 people. Look, you want to buy a used car even at just 1,000 pounds, you will consult 2, 3, 4 people. Hmm? Just for a petty, worldly decision like that. And you want to decide where to give your time in life, your very life itself, the amount of waqt, and you don't want to consult people who know better. So understand category number 3. After category 1 and after category 2 is category number 3. All the extras in the And that Allah Ta'ala opens up different doors for different people. Different doors for different people. Right? Allah Ta'ala may accept somebody more for ilm, somebody more for zikr, somebody more just for khidmat of the masjid, somebody more for the khidmat of the Muslims in the neighborhood, somebody for something else. Right? Then comes category four. Category three was extras in deen. Category four is extras in hukukul ibad. So now beyond fulfilling a person's haq and fulfilling it with ihsan, sometimes you do have to give them extra time. Doesn't mean you can never give them extra time. Sometimes you have to sit with your children extra. Sometimes you have to sit with your parents extra. Sometimes you have to sit with your spouse extra. That is category four. That's also there. Extras, but in those people... Extras, extra love, extra ta'luk, extra time with those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to spend time. And that's it. These are the only four things you should be doing in life. So let me show you what's missing. What's not on this list. And then what may still be in your life. That's called social life, recreation, games, hobbies, watching football reading in the newspaper about the same football match that you watched. Haji, someone did the waste of three hours watching the football match. The next morning they pick up the newspaper. They saw the match themselves. They don't need the news report. They pick up the newspaper and they read the description of the match that they themselves watched. Now, okay, if you didn't watch it and you decided to read the newspaper for five minutes, I would say, okay, Alhamdulillah, I'm happy that you didn't watch it. You got by with just the newspaper. But you watched it and you're reading the newspaper. <laughs> now understand everything that you do of these things this is what we explained last time is fadul it's coming at a cost of something in category 1, 2, 3 or 4 there's no such thing as you don't have free time you stole the time from category 1 
two, three, or four, and you chose to use that time to do this and to do that to the other. So eliminating those other things, not all of you can do that instantly. You won't be ready for that. If you try to drop everything, you'll do it for three days, then you're not puncturing. <laughs> then you'll go back to doing it, sometimes in a deadly way. <laughs> so you have to gradually start reducing it. The way to gradually start reducing it is to just start filling up categories 1, 2, 3, 4. Automatically that stuff will go down. Don't try to directly reduce your relaxation time because right now not everybody is at that level of iman or zikr that you don't need worldly relaxation. You have to be honest, you have to diagnose yourself, right? I'm a person that needs 7 hours of sleep, I need 3 hours of slack time. This is what I am. Now once you diagnose yourself, then say, okay, look, from those three hours of slack time, let me see how much I can start putting on this side. How much could I use for category two, three, and four? Right? Just start doing those things and Allah Ta'ala put a barakah on this. Allah Ta'ala put an enjoyment on this. Then on its own, those things will start going down. On its own, those start going down. This is a process. But you have to put yourself through that process. Many things in life, you don't get them instantly. You have to put yourself through a process. Even just the elementary university degree called a BA, you cannot get that instantly. You have to put yourself through a whole process. Right? So if even a basic degree requires a process, so this basic level of deen is also going to require a process. That is the role of Allah Mashaif to point you and to guide you and to train you and to watch over you in that process. That's their job. Your job is to put yourself under their guidance and supervision that you can navigate that process and eventually reach that life where your life only consists of these four things. If you sit with the real ulama and mashayk of this world, you'll see they only do these four things. They don't have time for anything else. Shaykh Ladis, Muhammad Zakariya, he mentions the story of his uncle, Malana Yahya. Malana Yahya, once is a hot summer day and he saw that somebody was sucking on sugar cane. That's what they do in Pakistan. He thought to himself, oh, what a nice idea. <laughs> Looks like such a nice thing to do. Take some nice cold sugar cane and suck on it. And then Malala Yahudha said about himself, 18 years passed, I never had the time to get a piece of sugar cane and chuck it. Oh. 18 years passed, and never had the time to fulfill that desire. Hmm? Look at us, you walk by somebody you see as a Starbucks coffee in his hand, but that's it, you divert yourself. You go there, you have the coffee, you have the bun, you sit there, you serve, right? Oh, see what? Knock it. Right there in the. Oh. They live lives <laughs> for Allah SWT. Viewed this life as my, my own self, my own pleasures, my own wishes. They knew they were on what they call borrowed time. On my own time. You know, when you borrow something from someone, you don't waste it. If your iron goes out, you borrow the iron from the neighbor. What will your wife do? She'll say, how many hours do you have before? I said, I told them I'd give it back to them in a few hours. She'll iron today's clothes, tomorrow's clothes. She will use that iron for every single second. Because she knows it's borrowed. You have to give it back. <laughs> That's how they viewed their time. It's borrowed time. Borrowed time. So we should not have that minimum approach to date. We should make sure we understand it's about priorities and we should get our priorities straight one by one. Category one, two, three, and four. Then our Mashaq mentioned three things. Three things. That if you do these three things, 
will help you in everything that we just said. In fact, if you do these three things, it will help you in the entire deen. And many times, Mashaikh say all of their teachings come down to these three things. The khulasa, the hasa, the libbulubab, the thamra, the nachur. Hmm? What is that? Number one. Number one is called ittiba'ya sunnat al-shariyat. Ittiba'ya sunnat al-shariyat. That you must follow the sunnah and the shariyat. Always remember whenever you have a lapse in following sunnah, required sunnah, and you have a lapse in following sharia, you fall into some sin, you will be devastated. Don't think that it will just, it's a small sin, something small happened to me. Don't think it's a small slip, a small skip, oh I missed one fajr in 20 days. Oh no. <laughs> you miss one fajr in a year, that will devastate you. You too miss one fajr a week, three fajrs a week. You should view even the slightest of slips in sharia and sunnah to be devastating. That's your attitude you have to take. Then you will start doing ittiba'i sunnah al-shariyat. But we don't have the attitude. We think it's okay. Right? Everyone knows how important salah is. Every non-Muslim, the first thing they know about Islam is that these people, it's mandatory for them to pray five times a day. They know that. Every single non-Muslim knows that. We haven't learned it yet. <laughs> we pray four times a day, 4.2 times a day, 4.5 times a day. Listen <laughs> Imagine that that person, right, who cannot even say I spent one month, cannot in his entire life show even one month in which they didn't miss a fajr. What are they going to do when they have to show all the months in front of Allah SWT on the Day of Judgment? What are they going to do? Right? Sometimes I'm amazed, some young men who are like that, they come to me and they say, I want to make a website and I want to do that in a new way. Look at me. <laughs> It's all your mind. <laughs> These things are going to be done from the heart. You have to have kubuliya. You have to have kubuliya. You can't even fix your prayer yet. <laughs> you need to direct your attention here. You have to fix yourself. Then Allah Ta'ala will accept you to fix others. You cannot try to fix others unless you fix yourself. And if sometimes, because we are living towards the end of time, Allah Subhanahu will take the work of khidmat of deen. It will happen for people who haven't fixed themselves yet. When that happens, and you shouldn't congratulate yourself and think, oh, I went for three days and I did this much. No. You should come back and think that, Ya Allah, you took this work of deen for me, even though I had so many sins. What would you have done if I had actually had taqwa? <laughs> you took so much work for me, even though I had so many sins. I can now only imagine how much work of deen you would have taken if I had had taqwa. And then you should imagine that that much work that Allah Ta'ala would have taken if you had taqwa. You couldn't do that, you only were able to do this much. You could have reached a thousand, you reached ten. You're betting yourself on the back that you reached ten. You should think if only I had ten sins, I would have reached nine hundred ninety more. You should be crying over that, instead of congratulating yourself over this. So, ittiba'i sunnah al-shariyat, follow the sunnah. You should have a craze for the sunnah. Every single drop of sunnah, it's an ocean of being loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's an ocean, endless, limitless ocean of mahbubiyya. An endless, limitless ocean of kubuliyya. Every single drop of sunnah. Same thing for every single drop of shiri. Even if you can just, even during your work, 
or your university or your job or your business or your shop or your duty whatever you do even in that period if you make sure you stay within Sharia what does it mean? you don't misuse your tongue during that time you don't misdirect your eye during that time if you can stay within Sharia in your work even the work will be written in Salah for you that will enter your book of deeds your work will enter your book of deeds you are doing work to enter your bank account book <laughs> if you do work and stay within Sharia that work will enter your book of deeds that he did this he drove the taxi for four hours and he never looked at the woman in the rear view mirror Shabbos four hours put it in the book of good deeds Ittibai Sunnat and Sharia your whole life should be aligned with the Sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah and the Sharia Ahkam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala second thing second thing is called Kasrat al-Zikr Kasrat al-Zikr note we're not saying Zikr we said Kasrat al-Zikr abundant Zikr there's some things in life where the quantity matters like your food let's say I make a wonderful dish and I give you one spoon he said it's not a meal <laughs> I said look just taste it such an amazing quality you say yeah but the quantity matters also <laughs> the quantity also matters Allah Ta'ala said in Quran Ya ayyuhalladheena amunadhkurallaha dhikran kathira dhikran kathira and I'll tell you that you will only get quality in zikr after you have quantity what the new student of the Sawaf, what they think is that I did zikr and I didn't have any quality <laughs> I started zikr, I couldn't feel anything I started zikr, I couldn't concentrate they are trying to get quality before doing the quantity it won't happen Allah said in Quran, dhikran kathira you must bring quantity you bring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the quantity Allah ta'ala will bestow the quality you cannot bring the quality who are we to have quality in our zikr? Hmm? That heart that has so much pollution in it That heart that has the blackness and darkness of years of sin in it It's not going to be able to produce quality Allah Ta'ala made it easy for us This is the ease in thee Allah said don't worry Quality is my job Quantity is your job What does he mean quality is my job? Allah Ta'ala said in Quran فَذْكُرُونِ أَذْكُرْكَ تُو مِرَا You make dhikr of me in quantity Then I will make dhikr of you in quality when Allah Ta'ala sends a zikr on us Then you will get quality But you have to bring a high quantity Kathir Abundant zikr Abundant zikr That's why those people who are more into the sawaf More serious They should do at least 50 five zero minutes of zikr a day Five zero And they should split it up And do it twice a day That's why Allah Ta'ala said in Quran Bukratun wa asila All over Quran Many places in Quran Morning and evening, morning and evening, twice a day, twice a day. Sometimes the doctor gives you a pill like that, he says you have to take it twice a day. You say, I take it once a day. He says, you won't get cured. I don't take it once a day for double the days. You won't get cured. He says, take an antibiotic twice a day for five days. You say, I take it once a day for ten days. You won't get cured. He say, it matters. He says, the quantity and the regularity of the medicine, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. So Allah Ta'ala said about Nafil Ibadat in Quran, Kathir and Bukratul Wa We have to follow Allah Ta'ala's prescription. We have to follow Allah Ta'ala's hidayah. We have to do it morning and evening, and we have to do it Kathir.
if you do that kasrat zikr then you will feel something in your heart and your heart will increase in its love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then all those things I told you will fall in place that heart that loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they don't engage in fudul that heart that loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they will love people for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then they will enjoy fulfilling their haq they will want to have more isa how many people can say they have the sunnah that Umm al-Mu'min Aisha viewed her life with the Prophet as Jannat on earth how many men's wives can say that about them that living with this person means I'm living in Jannat on earth that's also a sunnah that's also a sunnah hmm? where is that going to come from? these things are going to come when we do zikr kathir when we do zikr kathir more more zikr you have to find time for your zikr is it there? Even if you have to scatter your zikr through 5, 5, 10, 10 minute pockets a day, you will find it. Even if you just sit for 5, 10 minutes either before or after every salah, you'll hit your 50 minutes right there. 5 salah, 10 minutes, 5 minutes before, 5 minutes after every salah, you'll hit your 50 minutes. You have to find the time to do it. Without zikr, you will never be able to progress in this path of tazkiyat to salah. Always remember in Quran, every command that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given, there's no substitute for it. That's separate unless Allah Ta'ala mentions it. There can be substitute for Udu in special cases to Allah. But in terms of ibadah, there's no substitute. You can make as many fasts as you want, it won't make up for the prayers. You can make as many prayers as you want, it won't make up for Hajj. Right? You can make as much du'a as you want, it won't make up for Durood Salawat. You can make as much Salawat as you want, it won't make up for Istighfar. It won't make up for Talawat the Quran. Every single ibadah has its own barakah, its own nur. So when Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, you have to make zikr kathir. There's no substitute for that. You have to do kasrat zikr. What Allah Ta'ala wants to bestow upon us and give us through zikr kathir, we can't get it through some other way. We can't get it through some other way. Can you study Quran without reading ayat? It's not possible. Could you study sunnah? Without a hadith, it's not possible. Could you study Sharia and fiqh without Messiah? Not possible. So no way you can advance in Tazki and Tasawwuf without Zikr. It's as impossible as trying to do Tasir without Ayat of Quran. You have to do Qasr to Zikr. Keep doing it. When you don't feel like doing it, drag yourself back into that Sufma that will again motivate you to do Zikr. So that is the third of the three things. First was Ittibai Sunnah to Shariat, second was Kathrat al Dhikr, and third is Suhba and Rabita. Suhba, Suhba to Sadiqeen, Suhba to Shaykh, Rabita. Suhba means keeping the company, and Rabita means staying in touch. Keeping the company and staying in touch. Alhamdulillah, Allah has made this so easy now in this day and age. You can have 24 hour Shaykh on your iPod and iPad. <laughs> Anytime you want, you can listen to Bian. Anytime you want, you can listen to Dua. Hmm? 24 hour access. Before, in olden times, if people want to listen to the Shaykh, they'd have to go and make a journey. They'd have to go travel by train or by foot. Our Mashaykh, Alhamdulillah, in the earlier times, they used to travel days and days and days just to go see their Shaykh for a few hours and then travel days and days back. You have to put yourself in that sukhma. You have to be in that rabata. Right? 
But Sheikh is not a problem solver, troubleshooter, family counselor. Those are separate degrees. <laughs> right? Rabata with Sheikh means Rabata about your taqwa, Rabata about your sunnah, Rabata about your zikr. This is what you talk to Sheikh about. How is your taqwa going? Means you falling into hasad, are you falling into zina, the eyes, are you skipping your fajr? How is your taqwa going? We need a guide on our taqwa. Just like you sit in front of a car and you recite Quran, you have to share your Quran with him so he fixes your tajweed. Then you share it again. Then again he fixes your tajweed. You have to show your taqwa. Where are the laps in taqwa? I want to present my life as a check. Assess me. Where is my taqwa missing? Sheikh is a teacher of taqwa. Sheikh is not people in our culture have made Sheikh Taweez writer, dua maker, barkat bringer. That's what they want. Sheikh Garmei Taki Garmei Barkatai, Kahmarli Dua Kare, Taki Hamarak Yaka Kam Hoja, Pirjatri Koi Taweez Bihamarli Likrin. They never even ask one question about their taqwa. Amazed. Would you go to a doctor and don't talk to him about your physical health? Would you go to a doctor and just shoot the breeze with him and ask him to do things for your business and this and that? <laughs> He'll kick you out of the office. <laughs> Within three minutes, you say, well, that's it, you're, you've come to the wrong person. Tell me about your physical illness and I will try to help you get your physical health. That's simple. Same thing with Shay. So that doesn't have to be done every day. Do you go to the doctor every day? You don't need to do that. You need to do that. Those who are sincere seekers, they simply get a consultation, they will find out what they need to do, and they have to do it. They have to do it. So, Sohba and Rabata. These days, Rabata is so easy. Before, people would have to write a letter, and they would wonder that letter would take weeks to reach the Shaykh. Now you write an SMS, it reaches instantly. Jeep, Allah Akbar. Allah has made Rabata so easy. Instant! You imagine. Mufti Muhammad Shafiyan in Karachi Hazrat Ashraf Ali Thanavat in Thanababan Mufti Shafi wants to do Rabata How is he going to do it? <laughs> How is he going to do it? That time he wrote a letter It took 2, 3, 4 weeks to get to Thanababan Then by the time it's the stack of letters Hazrat Thanavi responds You get the response It's 2, 3 months process Today Allah Ta'ala made it so easy You write SMS You get response within 24 hours of SMS And you want to write something long Just to inform You write an email Allah Atal's made Rabata so easy, Sohbat so easy. Just like people using technology for sin to bring music and unlawful imagery right within the touch of your fingertips. There's also a good use of technology to bring Talawat of Quran, to bring Nasiha of Deen, to bring Bayan right at your fingertips. Right at your fingertips. You should use it, you should surround yourself. You should surround yourself. Your laptop should have Islamic screensaver. Your laptop should have ayat and the keypad that make you fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your room and every single room in your house. Sometimes we walk into a person's house in this country and we can't tell from the house of a Muslim. I can't tell from the living room. I can't tell if it was a Muslim's house or not. It shouldn't be like that. Every room, every room of your house should feel that this is the house of a mu'min. Every room should have the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Things that make you remember us on every single aspect of your life. Your car should be like that if you spend a lot of time in it. Your cubicle or your desk at work, even your business shop. Don't think it's shopping, you just have to have cashier, cash register. 
Every place where you sit, you should make it a place of sohbah. You should make it a place of zikr. You should make it a place of tathkara. You have to drown yourself in me. Because we're living in a very dry environment. <laughs> a very dry environment. You have to keep yourself immersed in me. So these are the three things our Mashaikh mentioned. Ittibaya sunnah tashriyat. Number two, kasrat zikr. And number three, sohbah rabita. A person does these three things, right? keeps trying to do them, keeps trying, keeps trying, keeps trying, then inshallah the person will reach that taqwa, a person will reach that sunnah, a person will reach that pleasure of Allah.